This is unstructured. Hey everybody, today we're joined by Rebecca Verges Paul. I don't know if I said Verges right. How are yes, you doing today? You did. I did. Oh, thankfully, good. <laughs> How are you doing today, Rebecca? Yes, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. Now, Rebecca and I were introduced by a former guest of the show, Otakara Klecki. See, I'm having a great time with names today. Hers was a challenge for me, too. And Rebecca is coming to us from a, pretty much across the world in India, correct? Yes, in India. Now, where in India are you? Uh, I am at Hyderabad. Uh, that is Telangana. And that where... is South India. Okay. And where where is that? Is that west, east, north? I'm I'm geographically clueless. Uh, just south. That's just about south. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, Otikara was telling me, and then um, you've actually written to me, you have quite the story. Um, uh, a lot of challenges in life. Uh, I know. So do we... Why? How you grow, right? Hmm? But that's how you grow, right? Oh, I'm sure, yes. Um, but some of us probably could still grow with less. Now, from my understand, um, you came down with um, multiple sclerosis? Oh, yes, I did at uh, 20. At 20, okay. Now, what can you tell us about it? What happened? How did you find out? Uh, all right, so I um, lost my mom in an accident at 20, and uh, I was uh, studying outside at a, I mean, I was at a medical college that, and I was in a hostel, and uh, I found out, I came back, and then, you know, I think I was the oldest in the family and all of that stuff, so I was supposed to be responsible and not break down and all of that stuff, and happened for quite a, uh, quite a while. Uh, till I started, you know, uh, having numbness in my arms and all of that. I told the doctor, my family physician, and he told me that you must have, you know, slept on the wrong side and stuff. So it's all right. Forget it and stuff. And uh, then I remember going back to college and I kept losing my eyesight. And I didn't notice for a very long time till one one day I realized I couldn't see in one side at all. And... Uh, then I had to call my dad to the college and then he took me back to the city and then we went to this uh, major big hospital called LV Prasad and uh, they did an MRI on me and that's when we found out that I had multiple sclerosis and I thought I was going to die, <laughs> but that hasn't happened yet. Well, that's so, yeah, good. That's- <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> now... Okay, I don't know much about multiple sclerosis, and I imagine some of my audience don't know either. You know, we know it's something that's out there and we don't want to get. But mm-hmm. can you describe what it is and how you treat it? All right. So um, the sad part is there is no cure for multiple sclerosis. And basically, it's an autoimmune disorder. Now, I'm going to get really medical. <laughs> okay, I hope. Just talk slowly and we'll... And yeah, please. Okay. All right. So what I was telling you is that it's an autoimmune disorder, in uh, which means that your body starts attacking its own cells. So now the cells start attacking the cells in your brain, and uh, it starts causing areas of your brains to kind of uh, die out. I mean, kind of stop working the way it's supposed to be working. 
and so depending on which area it attacks your symptoms change so one time it could be numbness in your legs or not being able to walk then one day it could be not being able to write one day it could be not being able to swallow and then one day not being able to see and uh, what else could be well i had this nerve pain on my left side that is kind of like trigeminal neuralgia is what they call it mm-hmm. and i still have uh, pain on that side so then i can sleep only on one side so uh, so question uh, question on that uh, you were saying one day you might have trouble walking but then another day you have trouble seeing does the attacks keep coming in maybe uh, one month intervals or six months or one year or whatever so uh my kind is the relapsing remitting kind so it keeps going up and then going down but then when you have an attack you get steroids and uh it comes down for that point it's, it's steroids for swelling for the uh not not exactly the swelling actually it's because the uh your lesion is active so that brings it down okay it, it kind of works like that yeah <laughs> i can't make it simpler than that so um that's how it is so it's only steroids is the only treatment right now and then you have a lot of shots that you can take that are really expensive and it's supposed to you know bring down the attack rate but uh, now since i haven't been on treatment any kind of treatment for the last 6 uh, years i am not very sure of the treatment options right now yeah okay um That's so weird how it's it's one thing and then it sounds like you almost get a reprieve from a condition but then you'll pick up a new condition. Did I hear you correctly? It is the same condition it just uh, shows up in different ways depending on which part of your brain is affected at that point in time. Right, so it moves around. That's what that's what I was talking it about. It moves around. Exactly. So then I have a lot of if you take an MRI of my brain, I have plaques in a lot of places. Hmm. One could be Yeah, my the base of my brain. One could be on the top of my brain, and you know it just changes. So I have a lot of plaques that way. Now, is it progressively degenerative, or is it? Um, can you? It depends on the kind of MS that you have. Actually, there is one a progressive type that keeps on getting worse till you finally end up in a wheelchair, and then you know some complication, and then you probably die, which is the worst type. Which I'm happy to say, very few have. Oh, good. but most of have the relapsing remitting type that keeps coming and going but then what happens is that uh, after i lost my eyesight around four times i i had a problem uh, pro- a permanent problem with my vision mm. you know i could uh, like really see clearly anymore so that's what happened so the more that you keep having the same kind of attacks the more uh, what do you call it the more problem you have with that particular function i see so it eventually yeah. you may not recover completely from a not completely yes yes well that's not good i know but <laughs> it's definitely not good now of course um while you had it you did manage to get a medical degree from what i understand Oh yes, I did. I did manage to get a medical degree. Um I did manage to <laughs> go stay in a hostel while I was studying for my entrance test and all that. 
and i did manage to get a job at apollo hospitals and i was working there for quite a bit till i finally you know fell in love with the emergency department and i wanted to work there even though i knew it was stressful i just so wanted to work there and i worked there for around 3 years unfortunately it was so stressful that i used to have an attack like literally uh every month or you know every 2 months or so oh wow yes so I, i i used to take up a bed at the emergency and then you know just do my steroid shots and then continue working i guess <laughs> that's how weird my life was at that point in time Wow, so doctor treat them treat herself. I know, but you know, I don't have to pay for it. So <laughs> I think that was a good thing. <laughs> well, that's yeah. one way to get coverage. Yeah. Okay, now because you didn't have enough wrong, um I think you said that you managed to get tuberculosis. Oh, yes, I did. Uh, that happened when I was in college. uh so my college was uh not in the city it was kind of far away in a village and stuff and we have something called primary health centers mm-hmm. you know which caters to the people living there mm-hmm. and then there was one phc which had tuberculosis patients and i apparently picked up uh, tuberculosis there i'm very surprised that you know the amount of coughing i did and all of that nobody uh nobody thought i could have you know gotten tb from one of the patients was it relatively and, rare um not really in some parts of the country but then it is easy to contract it if you go close to somebody who has it and then they cough at you and all of that and you don't clean your hands or clean your whatever whatever you know So it is easy to contact if you are around somebody who has tuberculosis already. Oh. Okay. And yeah because we were at the PHC that day and I was near patients with tuberculosis I probably caught it but sadly nobody not even the doctors at the hospital managed to diagnose it in time and it stayed dormant for 5 years or so and it was only when I joined Apollo that you know they said I think you have tuberculosis and then it was a whole treatment regime of 9 months and the tab- i can tell you the medicines are my goodness a pain a real pain and you don't feel like eating anymore and then you feel like puking all the time and Lovely. it was not pretty 9 months it was really bad really but I you know. were able to recover from it oh yes i did i did see i this that i'm so out lung- of touch i didn't realize i know that ter- um tb used to be a death sentence oh yes at one point in time but now we have i think there were five five or six pills i think at that point in time that you had to take every single day you know you cannot miss a single one the government provides medicines of course for people who really can't afford it but uh, i think i didn't go to a phc and i bought the medicines on my own but it is still five medicines every day that make you feel puky and you lose your appetite and all of that so it's quite bad but yes it it helped me get over the tuberculosis at least so that was good now you just said something interesting um that the government pays for medical care do you have um essentially oh, yes, national health care for everyone in india 
yes, they do pro- provide for the TB medications, and uh, they also have uh, people who uh, they also. I mean, for some people at least, I think uh, who are not very regular with their medications, or they think they might not take the medications on time every day and stuff. You have to go to the PHC every day and collect your medications and have it there and go back and stuff. I don't know how. exactly how it works at the grassroots level or if people are really doing it but this is what they're supposed to be doing is what <laughs> we learn at least you know yes but the government does provide medication because tuberculosis was quite a problem in india for quite a while i guess at least maybe 20 years back or something oh, okay so it's specifically for tuberculosis not necessarily all healthcare uh, i think not everything i think they do have medication for hiv and um I, I'm not very sure anymore, actually, because I did my <laughs> medical studies, you know, like a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as I know, it was HIV and uh, tuberculosis, and uh, there are tuberculosis centers also. You know, for people who want to go there for treatment and people who have to be admitted and all of that. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Now, on a happier note. Um. You said something about wanting to be single forever, but then changing your mind. Ah, well, that was not a very happy story. Um, it was basically that um, I was pretty. I was a doctor, and I I used to sing all of that stuff. Was good in a way, but the marriage thingy works really differently in India because. um unless you fall in love and you know want to get married to that person arranged marriage is a different story completely so then obviously since i hadn't found anybody i wanted to really get married to and uh, stuff my parents started looking my my dad actually started looking for somebody to that i could get married to and then you know it was all all right till the time they found out about the multiple sclerosis and that scared them off so bad that i got, i kept getting rejected okay a lot of good matches that came up i i kept getting rejected and uh, they have this whole thing about family how good the family standing is and mm, okay how, how financially stable they are how financially stable the boy is going to be and all of that they check out all of that stuff before you actually get married and since we are uh, malayalis as in we are from kerala they have a lot of family background they check into before they think it's all right to get married into that family so um after all of that stuff gets checked and all that and then the matches are all, you know deemed all right the boy says no because he is not willing to uh live with a patient of multiple sclerosis and it kept happening so many times i finally got frustrated at all and i i really don't want to get married i am all right being by myself Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yep, that was that was how it was, and I kept saying no to all the boys I didn't like, obviously. And I thought it was easier to say no, right, rather than get rejected by them. Uh, can we At can we that- visit that for a minute? Um, because uh, okay. here in America, we we don't necessarily understand how different cultures have marriage and things like that. And uh-huh. um, you were saying that you're you're saying no, or the boys are saying no. So we have kind of an impression that there's arranged marriages in India and the parents determine who 
you're going to be matched with and you don't have a choice. It sounds like you do have a choice. We do have a choice, obviously, but then generally marriages in India last a lifetime. So for something that lasts a lifetime, the parents think the best chance they will have of it lasting a lifetime is if they take off the factors that are not going to match or not going to be compatible in the beginning itself. Okay, so, so uh, is the idea yeah. then that you get married and fall in love after you get married? So you kind of fall in love over time versus the romantic love early and then you get married? Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. That's generally how it happens. Uh, most arranged marriages at least, but uh, um, for me, it turned out to be quite different from what I had expected. And because I finally got married, I have three kids now. Uh, so um, I kept saying no for a very long time till finally my aunt brought me this match. And he was a marine engineer. And I said no. <laughs> he <laughs> said no. Both of us said no because he said, oh, she's a doctor. She's not going to have time to you know, be at home and look after the kids and all of that. And I said, oh, my goodness, he's never going to be on land. He's always going to be sailing. So who am I getting married to in the end? Nobody, right? And all of that stuff, he said no. So he went sailing, came back nine months later and asked uh, again if, you know, this girl is still available. Hmm. And uh, they said, yes, she is still unmarried and all of that. And then my aunt convinced me to, you know, why don't you just talk to him and see if you guys get along. And if you get along, you can think of taking it forward if you want and all of that. What changed his uh, mind? I have no clue, actually. He probably thought he was, he had taken a decision, you know, that was kind of rash maybe, or maybe he'd taken a decision too fast on saying no to me. You should ask him. And I know he, he kind of rethought it, I guess. That's what he says, <laughs> at <laughs> least. Felt bad about rejecting me without knowing me or without, you know, mm-hmm. talking to me or anything at all, probably. Interesting. And I know. <laughs> and then uh, we spoke to each other and then we kind of liked each other. And then I asked him to come down to meet uh, me and my dad. And he did. Okay. I didn't expect that, but he did. Hmm. And uh, then we kind of got to know each other a little bit more. And I said, yes, finally. And my dad was so overjoyed. He said, yes, we're going to have an engagement right away and all of that. And that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your dad's like, okay, get her out of here. Get her out of here. <laughs> I know. I don't look like that. Because <laughs> totally. I think he he had gotten, you know, used to the fact that I'm never going to get married. And the minute I said yes, it it is just, I don't know. He must have been overjoyed, I think, or thought, oh, my daughter is finally going to go the conventional way, maybe. Now you want to make sure you're so, committed. You said yes now? I okay, know. you're done. You're going. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounded like. And uh, so we got engaged and stuff. And uh, then he went sailing. And that's when I realized what sailing actually means. Okay, It's very difficult for a wife with a husband in the merchant navy and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way you can get to them. They can get in touch with you, but you can never get in touch with them. And you just wait. Yes, you just wait. Okay, It's just endless waiting. uh, Endless waiting. And in the beginning, I just couldn't take it. I was like, maybe I should rethink my engagement and everything. It's possible to call off an engagement, but not a wedding. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I should really rethink it. But you, but you were engaged then while he was at sea, so you at least had knowledge before you got married. Yes, I did have knowledge before I got married. That's but good. by then we had fallen in love, and you know, we spent time with each other, New Year's, Christmas, all of that. And I know when you're in love, you're in love, right? <laughs> right. So but that's I dated obviously. I've got bad news for you, though. Someday oh, he's going to okay. retire, and then you'll have him around all the time. You're going to say, can't you go to sea? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. That's so possible. And uh, then, I don't know, we kind of uh, got married, I guess, after that. And uh, then I realized, you know, marriage can be so much fun. It doesn't have to be a punishment as, you know, I, I think I imagined. Wow. The worst about marriage because <laughs> I thought, oh, if people are this way before they get married and they reject you for everything, I'm sure it's going to be worse when um, you get married, actually. But then it was fun. And then um, I was very, uh, you know, stuck up about getting pregnant before I was 30 because I was already 29 by the time we got married. Okay, so you were, and, in, a, you were in a hurry to do it? Yes, I was because okay. uh, I know sure. that you know it's it it gets more, more difficult after you're thirty. Sure. At least to get, uh, to well, your MS the pregnancy. Too. Yes, and especially because of the MS, I wanted to have a kid before I was thirty. So the chances of the MS being transmitted would be, I hoped at least uh, a little less if I had my pregnancy so earlier. It is hereditary then. It is hereditary, but uh, apparently there has to be a triggering factor or a stressor that makes the, uh, what do I call it, makes the MS come out. I mean, come out as in MS become apparent. Yeah. So for me, it was my mother's death that brought the MS out. So it's both hereditary and environmental? Both. Yeah, I guess so. So they still don't know how MS is caused. Some say a virus. Some say it's just territory. Some say, I don't know, a lot of things, I guess. <laughs> and I haven't been following it for a, quite a few years now, so I don't know what the latest news is. Right. Yep. Are they yeah. doing anything with stem cells in it? Do you know? Um, I know that they're having some interesting research with Parkinson's yeah. and other brain things. Yes, there bit of research going on and for my first son we did save his stem cells you know oh, they, they, they do uh, take the umbilical cord uh, cells and a little bit of the blood and stuff from the baby and they save it I think for us it's like uh, post 21 the stem cells go to the child oh, till good. 21 it's up to the parents you know on how you want to use it or whatever I was so freaked out that what if my kids get MS and what if later stem cell research uh, proves to help and let's just have the stem cells ready Smart. just in case and Smart. stuff and I got I saved them and uh, so yes we had uh, my son and then um, yep unconditional love happened <laughs> I was so in love with him and all of that and then I realized uh, did that know. help by the way having your son did that help you with the separation Oh, yes, it did. It did. Uh, because he didn't leave sailing till I had 
my son because it was the first pregnancy and all of that he didn't leave sailing for a long time i should tell you this okay he's not been sailing for quite a while after he's gotten married so oh. the other guys is uh, batch have all sailed twice the amount of time that he's been sailing but i have, i make such a fuss every time he has to go that you know he has they have something called the nre time where you have to stay out of the country for 6 months or you will have to pay tax which oh. is quite which is quite steep and um, 30% or something like that and uh, mm. i don't know a lot more i guess i'm not very sure about that and uh, so he has to go for 6 months but he doesn't stay away for longer than 6 months um at least so yep okay. that way and it kind of getting difficult for him i mean worse for him every time because now the kids know that daddy is going and daddy is staying away and they don't like him staying away so hmm. poor guy he has to go he has to work but he i don't know the chick kids miss him i miss him all of that happens i think i'm doing better now with him being away because i have at least you know he keeps telling me every time and i really feel bad for him he's like i'm all alone here but at least there are four of you back home so you have mm-hmm. three kids to keep you happy <laughs> i have nobody so i'm like all right that makes sense but yep i want you back <laughs> well it's good though that you do miss him i mean it could be the other way around Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that would be something else. Okay, so now you had your son and I believe you have two more kids. Yep, I have two more kids and uh uh my second uh, the daughter, I mean she's the oldest so she has to be actually the first technically speaking. Uh but uh she is adopted. Okay. I've always worked with orphanages and i've always wanted to adopt i remember telling my mother as a kid mom do you don't you think if all the families in the world adopted one kid each at least there would be no orphans in the world right <laughs> is what i told her and i was such a small kid i don't know how where i got that kind of wisdom from but yep i've always wanted to adopt and i did meet this kid uh, before i got married because she came to the hospital where i was working to be treated and stuff and i fell in love with her and i was like this is the girl i want <laughs> whenever you know i get married and whenever that's cool. uh, so there's a in india that says you have to be married for 2 years ah. uh before you can officially adopt yeah so you planned so it ahead I, of time and by the way yes, I, i thought of what you told your mother just now And I actually don't think there are enough orphans in the world for one child to every family. The problem would go away before you knew it. <laughs> I know. If only the whole world believed the way I did. <laughs> well, yeah, but you only have to convince a few here and there. Can't convince everyone, but you can convince a few. Uh so yep, that's what happened and then I uh I did most of the paperwork beforehand but then I had to wait 2 years before the thing actually um became official and that was when this division of uh the state of Andhra Pradesh happened 
so it took even more time than before but then finally she was home in 9 months okay and i kept telling everybody it's equivalent to a pregnancy <laughs> you know waiting for her for 9 months is like waiting for a baby for 9 months <laughs> and all of that yep and then she was home and i will not tell you it was easy at all and um, by then i was already pregnant and uh, because of the ms i do have some added complications and uh, at least the second time i spent a lot of time on bed rest and it was difficult for her to adjust with me hardly being around and my husband had gone back sailing and all of that stuff so my mother in law was around to help and my mother in law has been extremely supportive so she is the one who first told my husband you know if you think it's all right to get married to this girl then go ahead i mean at least the thing that matters most is that she's a christian and that she believes in god and okay. i think god I want to talk about that too i thought oh, that yeah. was interesting okay. um <laughs> you had commented in um our communication that your faith in christ is what drove you and uh india i don't think is known as a giant source of christianity no it's not i think uh, there's hardly two or 3 percent of indians here i mean that who are christians is i think right now the estimate i i'm not sure if there are more okay yeah i, I and i i just want to ask about that because my audience you know we're very interested in cultures and mm-hmm. and knowing about that i had a, another gentleman on Briner Agassi and um yeah. he is a syrian and his family were you know kind of from Iran area and they're Christians. Uh-huh. So I oh, didn't okay. know if it was the same type of thing for um you in India that you would be vastly outnumbered. Yes, it is true you are vastly outnumbered and most people here are Hindus. And uh, now since I don't know if I should even be talking about this <laughs> and now i okay let's put it this way since the bjp is in power and there are some right wing people who want the whole of india to be called hindustan and you know make it a country of hindus mm. and a lot of stuff has been happening but you know i hope it doesn't get too radical too soon is there that's all i can say. i've heard that there's also a a jewish contingent in india very small too do yes you, yes then do you guys kind of hang out together I, i don't know the right term for it but um the jewish um, and the christians no there are no jews at least i mean none that i've met here at hyderabad but at kerala at cochin there is a, a jewish town a small jewish town and there are still uh, jews who stay there i mean who have been there for years now and uh, they do have a jewish temple there or something i guess uh, what is it called synagogue yes they do have a synagogue or something there i remember visiting this place at cochin when i'd gone to see my grandmother and stuff okay. and uh, those are the only jews that i know of at least so i haven't met any here i don't know <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. So not- it's it's very interesting because you know I I'm in America. I I don't get to travel a lot. I don't necessarily know what's going on around the world. And if I just read the headlines, everybody in India is a Hindu. And yep. other than there's um I guess some Muslims in the uh, contested territory with um um Pakistan, right? 
Oh, Kashmir, yes, there are Muslims there, obviously. There are Muslims everywhere, actually. Even in Hyderabad, there is an old city, something called the Old City. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of Muslims there. But yet, Muslims, I think there is not much communal uh, anything here in Hyderabad, at least, so far as I know. So there is Old City and then there are a lot of Muslims uh, that side of town. And I'm, I don't know, I've never felt anything, you know, majorly different about them or thought that, you know what, they they are this way, they are that way, so we have to kill them or Oh no! Whatever, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But then there are people who think that way. There are, I'm sure, a lot of people who think that way. That you know, whatever bad that's happening is because of the Muslims and whatever. Okay, I probably shouldn't be talking about that either. There is a lot of communal violence that happens, especially in I think North India and stuff. Right. But. Mm, here it's not that apparent, not as much in South India as in North India, I guess. Okay, I'm s- sorry to hear that. I mean, not I ev- not everywhere is a garden paradise. I understand that. I know. But um, and I'm sorry to, to take you away from that. I actually did want to ask about the religion. So now you mentioned that you're Christian and your husband's family is Christian as well. So she was a a, a big support to you and helped with the children. The adoption, so my parents didn't for quite a while. Um, she but, but she said, Yes, if you are for it and if you feel God is for it, please go ahead. Because there is also a verse in the Bible that says, We are all adopted and we are all, you know, children of God because He's adopted us into His family. So I kept telling everybody, If we ourselves are adopted into God's family, what is preventing us from adopting other people into our own family? So in India, at least, I think adoption for a very long time was traditionally not considered good because they have this whole thing about blood being thicker than water. And, you know, it's only your family who can be your family and people from outside the family are not family. And how do you know where this kid came from? How do you know if the, sure. uh, the parent was not a murderer or a drunkard or a this or a that? And you know how can you be sure how can it's, you just bring it's in not any just kid? there it's not just there yeah. and by the way when some of the que- answers to those questions are so what if they were uh, I, honestly if if the father is a drunk that doesn't mean the kid is if exactly. you know everybody has to earn their own way it's always nature versus nurture right <laughs> again yeah, and there obviously is factors in nature that can be triggering, etc., like your condition. Yeah. But uh, it's probably a bad idea to judge people on it exactly. without knowing them. I mean, uh, it's not just that they keep telling uh, you that, you know, what if she has some diseases which you don't have any idea about? What if she is genetically what I mean, whatever she has some problems genetically and stuff. And my daughter is a special needs child, also. Mm, I I okay. don't think special needs adoption is very popular in India. At least they look for the fairest kids, the the chubbiest kid, the cutest kids, and all of that. But nobody really wants to adopt somebody who is special needs. So my daughter has something called um, uh, something in which you know her fingers are. Uh, um, joined together oh. and 
that was what was obvious but they didn't know that anything else was wrong with her mm-hmm. till i realized she, as soon as she came home that she couldn't hear properly in one side and then we took her for tests and stuff and uh, uh we figured out that you know she was not able to hear at all in one side and then we realized that she had a tumor in the ear which was going to you know cross the uh barrier to go into the brain and stuff and that's when i knew that you know even though she was uh, there is something called uh, you have to go to the court to get it officially uh, to get the uh, kid officially adopted and i wasn't able to do that for quite a bit because my husband had gone sailing again mm. and uh, i anyways took her for the surgery and stuff we we had to he came back but we had to go for the surgery before she was officially adopted Mm-hmm. and uh, i'm very happy that because i worked at apollo and i knew a lot of the doctors there a lot of the doctors there helped me and you know understood what i was doing and that she was adopted and that we really didn't have any papers as such you know to officially prove that she was our daughter or anything but they did the surgery anyways and that was done with and she's been having medical issues quite a bit of medical issues it's been 4 years now that she's been home but we still haven't stopped going to the hospital for her hmm. so a lot of that happened after that yep well now into the future and current um mm-hmm. you haven't been sitting around idly i understand you've been a force in some pageants oh yes i did <laughs> so i just randomly applied for a few pageants and stuff you know just 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 like that you know because i was like all right what what if i try it and stuff and i realized that at least in india it's a major industry okay a major industry as in a major industry and um, everybody everybody wants a crown <laughs> every woman <laughs> wants a crown okay no matter what uh, how and every woman deserves a crown i agree mm-hmm. uh, but um, yep it is a big industry and uh, anyways i got selected for mrs india earth and i went for uh, the whole thing mm-hmm. and i mean it was quite expensive and uh, all of it but yes i did go for it i did do a lot of stuff i did get uh, a few costumes that were sponsored and uh, a lot of people helped me actually to get to that place and uh, but i should tell you this i wasn't very really great at the catwalk at least not the first time and um, it was only after the second pageant that i started getting into my groove you know the catwalk and stuff do you have problems and, with the ms um and the stress of that yes the stress was a little bit too much for me to take and after 3 days i was completely down you know is completely down because uh, everything is packed into these 3 days you know so morning to night you're doing something or the other constantly and because of the whole uh, show that you put up on the last day you have to spend a lot of time with the fashion choreographer and doing practice and all of that that went on till i don't know like 12 in the night or 1 in the night and then you wake up at 5 the next morning and start off all over again and so it was quite stressful for me because sleep stress and heat all these three are major factors for me so you have to identify your 
factors, I mean, the factors that stress you out or cause you to get symptoms. Uh, so these three are major factors for me, at least. Right. It was quite stressful, actually. But and still, you won. I won uh, this title, Beauty with Brains. And then I did uh, another pageant, Mrs. Hyderabad, which wasn't that great either way. Um, and then I um, did this. I don't remember what else did I do. Um, okay, finally, um, I was working with a life coach. And uh, she was really good. She was really good. And um, I kept telling her, I want my husband to stay back at home. So I need to earn this, 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 this much so that I can stay. He can stay back at home. And, oh, I've forgotten to tell you about this. So my husband was quite good at photography, even in the beginning. So I saw him taking pictures of me. I saw his pictures. I said, you know, you're quite talented. Why don't you start doing something professionally? And why don't you think of opening up your own photography thingy and all of that? Mm -hmm. And finally, I pushed him into it. And when I was pregnant with my first kid, both of us did our first wedding together. Mm -hmm. And he turned into a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep, it was really nice. It was really fun. And uh, we did all of that. And so he we started this photography company called uh, George and Rebecca. Okay. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so we've done quite a, quite a few shoots and all of that. And um, after the kids came in and stuff, I haven't been able to help him as much as I used to. And uh, now he's partnering with another friend and now they're opening a studio of their own, which is going to be launched soon. Okay. So, yep, we've come quite a way, I think, from the beginning to now. So then, yep, I've also, he also has an alternate career, not just the merchant navy thingy. He, we call that a side hustle. Yep, of course it is a side hustle. <laughs> I hope someday it becomes, becomes the main That's thing. That's usually and, the goal, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Now, um, with his photography, you went on to win another um, pageant oh, yes. this year, I understand. Yeah, I know. So this one was this one was done by the Silk Board of India. It's basically to promote uh, their silk uh, and it, it, it apparently called Silk Mark. So I didn't know before I did this pageant that, uh, you know, when you buy silk clothes, I mean, saris, at least, you need to look for the Silk Mark uh, thing on it. It's like the ISI thing. So if it has the Silk Mark thing, uh, I think it's standard or something like standard, like the thread count or the kind of silk that is used and everything is kind of standard when you have the silk mark uh, thing on it, okay. stamp on it. Yeah, so it's like that. So then uh, it's called Srimati Silk Mark. Srimati is uh, Mrs. actually, in, in short, I think. Uh, hmm. So Mrs. Silk Mark. So I won that pageant and I did go on to do, uh, because I got a free wildcard entry into Mrs. India Telangana, I did go in for uh, that pageant and I uh, came up as the third runner-up for that pageant. Wow. And, <laughs> so you've got yeah. a whole second career with this. Now, um, to wrap oh. things up, what do we have coming up next for you? 
Okay. Um. Next, I've actually uh, always wanted to write, and I always told my mom uh, when she was around that you know I'm either gonna do English or I'm gonna be a doctor. And I ended up becoming a doctor, but I think there's always time to change your career or do what you've always wanted to do, and it doesn't have to be one thing that you stick to for the rest of your life. there always comes a time in life when you change so now it's i've i've been writing for quite a bit i have joined this program called sps that is um in in from the us obviously and uh, i have been trying to write something for the last one one year or so which i ended up not liking in the end and i chugged it now i'm doing a children's <laughs> book i think is my forte because i enjoy doing things with kids i love being with kids and i love telling them stories and i make up stories for my children every day literally and uh, it's one of these stories that i've taken up that i'm working on and it's in the final stages of uh, self editing which is after which it's going to go to my beta readers and then going to go to the editor finally so i'm hoping to publish it by december okay well it's coming yeah. fast <laughs> <laughs> yep that's that's where it is right now Well, excellent. Now, where can people follow you so they can find out more about your upcoming book and what you're up to? All right. Um so my uh Facebook account is Rebecca Paul and my Instagram account is uh Dr. Rebecca Burgis. Okay. I will make sure should... that I link yeah. both of these in the um show notes. Okay. And sure. I just want to thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> You're most welcome. I I enjoyed this. Mr. Hayes's office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. Hayes? Oh, fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition, introducing the diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The diarist an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty just as you are right now. Oh. Well, I It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. 
Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Thank mm-hmm. you.